Welcome back to the Dream Big Play Bigger podcast. I'm your host, AJ Richards. This is episode 10 on communication. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm just super excited to be where, be here with you. I'm excited to share this, uh, this lesson. I'm going to combine some of my own understanding and experience, some of uh, uh, a real good friend of mine that created an entire language course called Pro- Procabulary. I'm going to share some of the like the broad view of that. And, um, and then I'm going to talk about, uh, I came across to five recipes for great communication. I thought it was great that I can share with you guys. So ultimately, here's what I want to start this conversation off with first. Communication or language or our words are the foundation of everything in the universe. It's a pretty bold statement. I get it. Uh, regardless of, of your beliefs, right? Without language, we don't have anything. You know, in, in theology, in the Bible, in the beginning, there was the word. So there had to be language to communicate, to, to, to create, right? In, um, if you know anything about Helen Keller, Helen Keller was uh, deaf, blind, and um, mute. She, she just couldn't really communicate, had no way of communicating, period. And uh, she wrote in her journal or in a book that prior to – so she had many therapists trying to help her communicate. Up until the age of seven, she had zero communication, nothing. Imagine you can't see anything, you can't hear anything, so you certainly can't speak. And from the time you're born, you wouldn't even know what to say. Um, she describes herself as being like dirt, literally nothingness. Prior to having any sort of ability to put language or communication to anything, she basically describes it as being an animal of the earth, just this being in existence. And she would freak out anytime somebody would touch her because imagine how frightening that would be to not have any clue what was going on and being drug around and forced to do things and just having no connection. It would just be terrifying, right? And uh, at one point, she had a therapist that grabbed her hand and shoved it under a faucet uh, a pump and would write and just kept signing on her hand water, whatever that looked like. I don't, I don't know if she was writing water or what it looked like, but kept repeating over and over and over again on her hand what it was. And that moment clicked, and she had her first sense of language. And as she developed that over time, that's when she looks back and says, I have zero memory, <clears throat> none of anything prior to that moment because language for her did not exist. And that's how crucial that it is, right? So language is the foundation of everything and is also the foundation of where we have breakdowns in our life, both with ourselves personally and with other people that we come in contact with, loved ones, people at work, um, just random people or even people in social media, right? Uh, how many of you guys have ever experienced texting somebody with not such, you know, with no cert, uh, a certain emotion, but yet the way it, they read it caused something that wasn't so great, right? Because even in text, the context sometimes can be lost or the intention, I should say, can be lost. So language is the creation and the foundation of, la- of everything. A partner that I used to have in Rush Club would always say, clear communication kills all doubt. And I really love that quote, clear communication kills all doubt, meaning if we're clear with one another right off the bat, then there won't be any doubt later and there won't be any breakdown later, right? 
I've got some examples to share with you guys here in a minute about some some things that happened this week and so forth with with family and what came came about and became clear about that. So the first thing I want to share with you guys are there's two language types. Now, this is, again, by my friend Mark England. He created a course called Procabulary. <clears throat> really powerful course. I love it. I'm going through it again. Okay, so there's two language types. There's architect language, and you guys have heard me say this stuff before, and, and uh, so it's just a refresher, some of it. But there's architect language, and then there is conflict language, right? And if you just think about that definition of those two words, architect means to create, to design, to build. That's a positive connotation. It has some positive meaning to it. Conflict clearly means it's conflicting, right? And so conflicting language means a breakdown, to not be clear and to eventually have some sort of an issue arise because that lack of, of clarity. Now, inside of those two language types, we have three language components, okay? And this is what causes breakdown in communication. So I'm going to break, I'm going to share that with you. So the first is a negation. Negation means to focus on what wasn't what isn't and what can't be, okay? What wasn't, what isn't, and what can't be. So with negations, I'm going to give you an example. A negation example is I don't want to get angry. How many of you ever said that? How many of you guys have ever experienced I don't want to get angry? How many of you have kids? That's probably word for word. That's something you've said many times, right? I don't want to get angry. (laughs) Don't make me get angry. Okay, so that is an example of negation versus I'm not going to be angry. Instead of I don't want to get angry, I'm not going to get angry. Can you hear the difference? You're projecting in your mind the thing you're afraid of, which is now what your focus is. The opposite of negation is an affirmation to focus on what was, what is, and what can be. Make sense? Okay, so that's the first of the three uh, components. The second one is soft talk. Soft talk, the excessive use of softening words to create ambiguity, (laughs) got it, uncertainty, and avoidance about a particular concept or a choice. Okay, so that's soft talk. An example of soft talk would be, I think I might need to start eating healthier. How many of you guys have ever said that? I think I might need to start need to start eating healthier versus on Monday, I'm going to start eating healthy, right? Now, here's another example, and this one's prevalent in everything. How many of you guys ever said you, you come across a friend and you say, hey, we should get together sometime? Is that real? Are you legitimately trying to get together, right? Because if you say we should get together sometime there. That's total soft talk. There's no commitment there versus we should get together sometime. Are you free on Monday? Can you hear the difference there? Right now where we can learn and where we can grow as individuals is just not being fake. If you don't want to get together with them, just say, Hey, it was great to see you. (laughs) Right. But if you're going to make a commitment, Make it because you'll start now that you know this, you'll start to hear that on both sides and be like, oh, do they really want to get together with me (laughs) or are they trying to avoid me? Right. And you can respond by being accountable and saying, we should. Are you available next week? And then kind of see how that goes. Right. Don't waste your time. In other words, if these are people that don't really want to be around you, why hang around? And And I say that just as an example. 
but don't have that energy pulling you away. Like maybe there's something there versus let's get it clear and move on right away. Okay. So that is your second one, soft talk. The opposite of that is solid talk, which is what I was explaining. It's the use of clear, direct, powerful language to effectively communicate your thoughts about a particular concept or choice. That is solid talk. Just get clarity right out the gate. Now, the third one is projections, and that means to assign exclusive responsibility to someone or something outside of yourself, what you are feeling, thinking, and doing. Now, this one is really powerful because it requires taking responsibility, and most of the time, we don't want to do that. We would rather sit in a space of suffering. There is a payoff. And and listen, this is hard to hear, but there is a payoff to not take responsibility, to leave it on somebody else. That's what it means to project, to put that on somebody else versus reflection, meaning taking responsibility is uh, reflection is to acknowledge what you have created and are creating for yourself and your ability to change it. Okay. So example. Um, Eric is putting me, uh, Eric is putting a lot of pressure on me, right? You're just putting it on somebody else and you can simply convert that versus I am putting a lot of pressure on me. I'll give you an example. Um, my wife texts me, uh, on Friday and she said, somebody else is quitting. I'm super stressed out. And I called and talked to her because she's bringing it on to herself that now this is going to be a, a, a cause an issue for her possibly, right? And she's going to get be given more workload and so forth. And so I just talked to her and I said, "So what? What are you? What are you making that mean? What are you taking on? Like, listen, you you've only got so many hours in the day that you're being hired to do. You're not you're not salary. You have a job that you're paid you know paid for. There's there's a communication there. So if you need to change communication at work to get clarity, do that, right? So what are you making that mean? And she said that I'm going to get overwhelmed. Got it. Is that true, right? So now she's in a space of stress before anything has happened with this idea that she's putting on somebody else this issue. She's only got so many hours a day. So I am putting a lot of pressure on me. Does that make sense? I hope you guys can hear the clarity in there. So those are the three language components, negations versus affirmations, soft talk versus solid talk, and projections versus reflection. Okay. Now we had a big breakdown in our, in our house yesterday. Uh, and and I mean like our, we have five boys in our family. Um, my mom lives here with us and we have this car that needs to be moved. Right. And she's been asking for people to move it. Um, I wasn't one of the people she'd asked, but it wasn't getting done. And then it got a scratch on it because it didn't get moved. And so she was really upset and she just kind of wanted to shut down and kind of like, fine, I'll do it myself. Right. But that way of being leaves you as a victim rather than communicating. So here's what happened. I asked my brother, one of the people that she asked to help with the car to come and help me move my couch. He said, yes, I can help you tomorrow. And I said, okay, great. What time? And he said, he laughed and he said, uh, around noonish. I said, great. So can I count on you at noon? And he said, yes. And I said, so can I follow up with you at 11 to make sure you're available at noon? Right? Because What ends up happening is we might say, hey, can you help me out tomorrow? Sure. What time? Noon. Okay, great. And then we don't say anything. Now, if you know somebody be of their word and they're going to be there, 
then you don't have to put all these steps in place. But being responsible means knowing that there are certain people that don't know how to do this. So I am going to take responsibility because if I have an expectation that they're going to be there and they have this history of not being there, then I'm expecting to be disappointed. And we kind of sit here and we fold our arms like, I'm just going to wait and see because we want to have some sort of payoff to be like, see, I can never count on you. Why do that? Why do that to yourself? And so if we seek to make sure we get clarity and to seek like knowing this process, now I know that I can message and be sure that it's going to happen. And so guess what? It happened on time. Matter of fact, he messaged me because how strange is it? How many of you guys in your life know people that will hold you that clearly accountable to being there at a certain time? And how many of you do that? So when that starts to happen, something in your brain, it's disruptive. It says, wow, this person is like really adamant that I'm there. And so now you even become more clear that I better be there because they went through all of these steps. As if you're a people pleaser, right? If that identifies with you where you're trying to make people happy, soft talk will be your number one enemy. It's because we don't, we think that we're going to look wrong if we hold them accountable. And I don't, heaven forbid, I make, I make somebody wrong, right? But then that leaves a, a, a secondary negative side effect on us individually. Okay. So those are the three language components. Now, what causes us to not say everything that needs to be said? In some cases, sometimes we have a breakdown in communication because we are afraid if we stand up for ourselves, we won't be liked or we won't look good. Sometimes we ignore that little voice in our heads telling us we are being vague and should see clarity or solid commitment. Because sometimes when we're being vague or seeking that clarity, we feel like we're going to be annoying or we're going to put somebody out or it's awkward to get a definite uh, 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 commitment to do so. What causes us to not say anything is we're trying to look good. So we as human beings make choices unknowingly. If we don't practice this understanding or this kind of work, we make these choices from two spaces, looking good or fear or fear of not looking good. Okay, that's how we show up. This is in many cases. So what can we do to honor ourselves and not overreact? How many of you let something unsaid, be, uh, how many of you left something unsaid because you were afraid of a possible outcome so you ignored a tough conversation? I'm going to hope and pray that what I'm feeling might happen doesn't happen, So, I, but I don't want to have that, I, I want to, you know, avoid conflict, right? That's even that term in and of itself, avoid conflict is a negation. We're, we're not creating there. So I want to avoid conflict by not talking about that thing that I should be talking about up here. So we avoid it. And we have this little voice in our set that says, you probably should make sure that's there. So we don't do it because we're afraid of looking good. We ignore that little voice. Um, then later the thing we were afraid of happening happens or it happens and now it happens with more of a consequence. It's a bigger problem, right? How many of you experienced that? Now, the impact is far worse than what's happening on the surface because all of us that's hearing this that have been through that, we have overcome it. Here we are. Life didn't crumble. Everything's good. But here's the impact of that. It's what we start telling ourselves in the six inches between our ears about ourselves. Guys, listen, 
if you want to serve people, if you want to live a powerful life, if you want to go out and do the amazing things that we want to create, you have to be beneficially selfish. It's a whole nother topic. We will cover that another day. But you have to look out for you first. Because if you show up to serve somebody with an empty cup or a half-empty cup, you will be drained so quickly that you will not be able to serve yourself, and then therefore you won't serve others. There's a lack of integrity in that. When you're telling people to do things that you're not doing. Look, I learned that when I first took on you know, 30 clients when I was first hired uh, in my first coaching gig with Transform. I was serving, 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 serving. I had no boundaries, and all of a sudden I was feeling overwhelmed. The moment I stepped back, created a certain boundary so I could fill my cup and also look at where I was out of integrity, my cup started filling up and now I can serve people. I have like this overflowing cup, right? Often people ask me, how do I handle this kind of work? Well, I handle it because I'm making sure I'm balanced. Therefore, what I take on my cup's already full, right? So look, if you have this half full cup, I wish I had a cup with me to illustrate. If I had a half full cup of my stuff, but then I started taking on your stuff, if your stuff is because you're needing support, that's going to mix in with mine and now I got a problem. But if my cup is overflowing, I can't take on anybody else's and I can just give them mine. And if I'm in integrity and living that way, I can serve more and more people and never feel overwhelmed or not have the ability to serve the people I love and that I want to serve. The worst thing you can do is to take on these things that you shouldn't because then you lose trust in yourself. And so then you start playing small. Because you had soft talk, and I, I'm using soft talk as a major example because that seems to be more prevalent with the people I, with everybody I work with, uh, of all different personalities. Um, now we can get into conversations about people who uh, that I've served that definitely use more of the projection language, right? You might be uh, you might be an alpha, or you might be um, uh, there's a word for it, somebody who just speaks directly. But if your life's having breakdowns, it's because you might be projecting rather than taking it on, right? So the worst thing you can do is soft talk because then you start judging yourself. You judge yourself for being cowardice. And I'm saying this because I've been there. I know this feeling. You walk away from something feeling like you should have said it and you don't because you don't want them to have to be the one committing to something. And so then you start feeling small. And so then you don't let yourself play big or go for a bigger life because you don't want to put yourself in that position to have to hold somebody accountable. And so you play small. You take less risks. You aren't willing to go all in and you start, you know, you, you won't reach for what you're really capable of because heaven forbid you have to have a conversation with somebody that, um, that you have to stand up for yourself. Another common one is people will keep stuff to themselves even if they're feeling um, slighted or negative because they're worried about overreacting. So let me get back on track here real quick. What judgment did you make about yourself or continue to make because of holding these things in? Many times if we are present to our thoughts, we may not even trust ourselves and avoid situations that could cause the same breakdown. This becomes disempowering and we may never realize our full potential. We can begin to play it safe and not fully express ourselves. 
who in your life, excuse me, are you avoiding a conversation with right now that would make a difference? See, sometimes, uh, like I was saying, we won't say something because we're afraid of overreacting. Well, if I say this, I might look like I'm overreacting. And if I overreact, I'm going to look foolish. If you're like I was, I would take the brunt of a breakdown or if I felt wronged, I wouldn't stand up for myself because I was afraid of being judged as overreacting because it happened once. I, I, as I was preparing, I was trying to remember where this happened. I can't picture the scenario, but the impact of that is there. The feeling of I'm not going to stand up for myself because I'll look like I'm overreacting. We're afraid of being judged as being overreactive. If we are in a conversation that feels to us like we're being judged, attacked, or be, belittled by asking, uh, um, or belittled, we can change that scenario by asking a simple question. You can say, so, so there's a scenario, you're having this conversation, and there's a breakdown, or you feel like there's going to be a breakdown. In other words, you're feeling negative about yourself, right? And, and there's that feeling of just suppressing it because you don't want to overreact. There is a simple question that you can ask that will change that entire. What I'm hearing you say is, that's the question. If you're feeling like there's a breakdown, if you're feeling like something's wrong and you are, you may overreact or you can't say it because I'll feel like I'm overreacting. If you're being left in any certain way, don't walk away from that conversation incomplete. Also, don't react yet. This is where we gain power in understanding our thoughts and how to control those before they become emotions and before they become actions. Ask the question before it all comes up. Just be, see, awareness is being able to step away from the ego and be an observer. What am I, uh, like, it's like the practice results in all of a sudden you're watching a conversation with yourself from a third person. By asking this question, we can get clarity on what is being said and there, uh, therefore make an informed choice on how to respond rather than overreact or feeling sorry for ourselves. So if you ask what I'm hearing you say is, you give that person a ch- an opportunity to be responsible for their language. And if they say, da, 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 then you can have an, a- an action to take. I'll give you an example. My mom's coming into some inheritance, and she said, hypothetically, if I was to give you guys, me and my brothers, five of us, if I was to give you all the inheritance to go invest right now rather than you waiting till I die to pass it on, could you all agree to do something? Five different people, five different personalities, that's pretty challenging, right? So she was just curious. One of our brothers, I asked him, and he said no. And I said, oh, really? Why? And he said, because you never finish anything. (laughs) And I was like, okay, got it. Now, because I have been working this for so long, if I hadn't, my ego, because I was aware of the ego right there, boom, ready to go, right? Don't tell me I don't finish anything. But because I'm aware of this, I started seeing it from his perspective. My brother is a through and through employee. He's a government employee. He goes to work when they tell him to go to work. He gets paid what they tell him they're going to pay him. There's no movement unless somebody you know, retires or gets fired or dies or whatever, right? I'm an entrepreneur and it looks like a lot of failure. (laughs) So I could see that right off the bat. Now, if I was in practice, I may not see it, see the, from the level I was already seeing it. I may have to see that first step of, so what I'm hearing you say is you think I quit my gym. 
you think I quit Rush Club, right? And, and I would seek clarity that way. So I didn't have to go there, right? But that was that's come through the practice. Ask the question, what I'm hearing you say is, and then you'll have full clarity, and then you could choose whether you're going to uh, act, going to use architect language, what action you're going to take, right? Because maybe they say, yeah, I think you're a dumbass. <laughs> and you're going to be like, okay, game on. Now at least I know where I'm going. Because look, if you do that, here's again what the most important thing is. By you doing that, you give yourself the opportunity to honor yourself so that you can love yourself in every situation that you're in and know how to show up for yourself so that you can commit to playing big. Give you guys plenty of examples. So I'm going to move on to another example. (laughs) I have five uncles. Three of them were getting involved in buying my grandmother's ranch. Okay. They were talking about this. Let's call it Monday because the days don't matter exactly. But on Monday, they were talking about it. And on Tuesday, my uncle Stacy showed up. So Stacy and my uncle, my uncle Stacy and my uncle Arlen were talking about this ranch. Okay. My uncle Stacy and Arlen on Monday were having this conversation about buying into the ranch. On Tuesday, my uncle Stacy and my uncle Arlen got back together. And the very first thing my uncle Arlen said was, I can't be involved in anything unless I'm in charge. That's just who I am. Now, this was years ago. Years ago, that was where the conversation happened. Fast forward, three of the uncles own the ranch. My uncle Arlen is not in it. And now there's a breakdown because he's disappointed that he's not partners with the three of them. But Stacy remembers him saying, you said you can't be a partner with anybody unless you're in charge. Well, the problem was is when they met up on Tuesday, nobody asked for clarity on what Arlen was talking about. So Stacy assumed he was talking about the ranch because that's all he remembered they were talking about. Arlen was talking about something totally different, and now there's a total breakdown and there's a rift in the community, in, in the family, right? All because they didn't see clarity. Now, this week in my – today actually, about two hours ago. We're talking about putting a greenhouse in my backyard, and in the greenhouse, we're going to do aeroponics gardens. They're tower gardens. There's a family option where we can get three gardens. It'll do 82 plants, and it's $166 a month, and so myself and three of my brothers that live here, three of my brothers, if we all pitched in, it'd be like 40 bucks a month, something like that. Well, so we were talking back and forth, back and forth. One of my brothers also happens to be the one who told me that I don't finish anything, (laughs) He says, can you move your hippie conversation somewhere else? Because we're talking about being self-sustaining, growing our own garden, no pesticides, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, can you move your hippie conversation somewhere else? My mom chimed in and said, hey, you better be clear so you don't end up like Arlen or another example of what's happening in the family. And I said, right. Are you saying that you don't want to be a part of the garden? And he said, No, that's not what I'm saying. I'd like to be a part of the garden. So you guys see how simple that would have been for us to assume and gone on without him and then have a problem later. Let's talk about recipe for great communication. Okay. Recipe number one, clarity, how to make the point clearly. Now, there was a practice in one of the seminars I participated in where we had to get a point across in one minute. 
The reason that matters is if you're trying to speak to someone, if you're in a group environment and you're trying to get a point across, you will lose their attention unless you pare it down to only the major topics. There's a, there's a, uh, not just a seminar I was in, but I was in a class on per, uh, uh, creating video content on, on Instagram, right? Cause Instagram has one minute. You have to get your whole message out in one minute. It is such a powerful uh, uh, practice because we fill our sentences in with so much more content than we need and we'll lose people. So number one in the recipe, clarity, how, it, how to make your point very clear and to the point. Number two, brevity. Get to the point quickly, right? Those go clear. So clearly and quickly articulate what you're trying to accomplish. Number three, it needs to have context. Make sure the message is relevant. Okay, context is, means it's relevant to the group you're talking to, to the outcomes you're trying to have happen, all of those things. Number four, impact. Make messages impactful. They should matter. They should move people inside, right? And the last one, it has value. What we say should have value for others. So if they're going to invest their time with us, look, even if you're in the, even if you're at, at work and they have to be there, you're still taking people's time in a meeting that they could be doing something else. Even if you're the boss, it doesn't matter because look, you can say I'm the boss. It doesn't matter what you want. I'm in charge or you can be successful. And that is being aware of human behavior and what's going on across the table. Because if you want to be successful, you're going to make an impact of the people there. So if you know you're going to lose their attention within you know, a meeting that could be done in 30 minutes versus an hour, why beat your head against a block wall just because you're the boss and they have to be there? Wouldn't you rather be successful? So get your point across in 30 minutes if you can get it across in 30 minutes rather than drag it out for an entire hour because human behavior will still be human behavior. Your title doesn't matter. It doesn't. Your title only matters to you. <laughs> now, obviously in hierarchy and structure reporting, it matters, but just be real with what's going on. People are looking to be led by, by encouragement, by inspiration, by value. They're not looking to be driven into a certain direction. Okay, so real quick, clarity, brevity, context, impact, valuable. Now, different conversations need different ingredients. Great communicators can look at their message and then judge the audience for what message they want to convey. Okay, if there is a, uh, if there is co a complex message, then make sure there is more clarity. So here's some, here's some, direct action you can do if you have to have a meeting. So I'll say that again. If there is a complex message, make sure there is more clarity. So put the in, the focus or the intention on the clarity. Uh, so you're, you know, think about a recipe. You're adding more ingredients than others, depending on what you're trying to have happen. If attention is short, then use brevity. If you're in a room full of men, the attention is short. And most of the attention is thinking about sex. <laughs> just going to say it like it is. It's not me. It's just what research says. So if attention is short, use brevity. Get your point across quickly, okay? Because you've only got them for a few minutes. If you're communicating with people that are unfamiliar with what you are talking about, then make sure there's enough context, okay? So if they're not clear on what you're talking about, make sure enough context, right? So in these lessons, 
This is what I study and I'm working to pass it on. And so some of these conversations are unfamiliar. Some of you, these are repeats and you're getting new stuff out of it. But I have it's my responsibility to make sure there is enough context for what we're talking about. So when I'm talking about better effective communication, it's got to be filled with context. Then we have impact. If you're trying to inspire or if there's a lot of noise, being disruptive is key. So if you're trying to get a message across and you want to make an impact, right? We're, we're, you know, let's talk about our the state of our, you know, wherever you're, I don't care. Global warming. If you're trying to get the point across, there's a lot of noise. You have to be, you have to make in, impact regardless of how you feel about this scenario. I, I, th- that's not what we're talking about. Um, the young girl that's been making a stand talking about our planet, that's disruptive, right? Whether it's her doing it on her own or people guiding her to do it on her own, having a little girl stand in front of the world and say, we need to do something about our planet is disruptive. It breaks the, we don't usually hear that from children articulated so clearly and with so much uh, decisiveness. Okay. That's what it means to be impactful. And then the last one is value. Number five, when people are skeptics or there is competition or they are being, uh, they're going to be hard decisions. Make sure that what you're sharing has value. Make sure that so when Greta gets in front of people, she has to make sure that when she's standing in front of the entire UN, that what she has to say has value or nobody's going to make a decision because the decisions that need to be made or that are being asked to be made according to the impact are massive world-changing decisions. So there better be impact. I hope what I had to share today uh, had clarity, was brief enough but filled with context, made an impact, and had value. (laughs) And let me just give you guys some calls to action. First and foremost, your first step in beginning any process is awareness. Become aware of your ability to know how you're communicating and be aware of how people are communicating to you and that little voice that says, don't seek clarity, keep it in, don't say anything, All of that. Just become aware first. You will be more successful in this practice of awareness if you journal and you write it down. Because there's a difference from just keeping it up here and then putting, taking time to put it on paper. So awareness first. That's your first challenge or your first uh, call to action. Second one is I would love to hear how people, uh, uh, how you handle where somebody makes you feel a certain way how you observed that feeling, the awareness. And second, what I'm hearing you say is, and did it match with what you thought or was it totally opposite? Because one thing I didn't say was most of the time, what you felt will not match what they meant. Most of the time, like, oh no, that's not what I meant at all. So sorry I made you feel that way. So be aware, write down what the awareness taught you. Did you ask for uh, what I'm hearing you say is and what was the impact? You guys, I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your evening. And um, I'm looking forward to engaging with you throughout the week. Talk to you guys later.